the St Albans Podcast Theatre Show with Ben and Susie. Welcome to another episode of the theatre show with Ben and Susie. Hello, Ben. How's it going? <laughs> Good, thank you. You? <laughs> I'm doing really well, thank you. Marvellous. We've had more busyness. Yes, we've seen so many shows, which is good for a theatre show, if I'm it, honest. That's, it's helpful. Um, and so we managed to see The Tempest. <laughs> yes, by Breakaway Outdoors, mm-hmm. in uh, by the Inn on the Park, in Verilamian Park. Um, so this is one that is... We, They've done three shows of it. There's mm-hmm. three more yet to come. So you're listening to this. There are three more shows on the 27th, 28th and 29th. So if you like what you hear, that's of June. Uh, if you like what you hear, you can. Uh, there'll be a link on, a, on the podcast so you can go in and get your ticket and get yourself down there. Yeah. And there's lovely food. <laughs> And so what, what did you think of it? How, how did you think the production was? Well, so the, the story of The Tempest is, um, well, traditionally Shakespeare's actual story is a story of, um, of a, a, a king, or sorry, a duke who's been banished to a desert island, um, caused a shipwreck, and then he kind of summons up a big tempest which causes his enemies to then shipwreck on the island. And mm. it's, it's all the sort of story of um, getting that, the revenge and a subplot love story between the duke's daughter mm. and uh you know the the uh, um the king's son who was yeah and and that's all kind of unfolding um and leslie cowland who we had on the podcast um a couple of episodes ago so you have a little look back you can hear the interview with her she took some some bit of a couple of risks with this yeah production. she really really changed it up so first of all we have a female prospero instead of a male lead mm-hmm. um and she also decided that instead of a desert island it's a deserted planet exactly so the whole thing's set in space shall we dive into our our pre and post show thoughts and what the audience thought let's hear what we thought let's go okay we're ready i'm waiting for the tempest by breakaway i am with front page frankie and becky alexander off the, the main podcast but they're joining me on the theater podcast are you excited very excited i've got my wine it's not raining it's all good i am so pleased about the weather because this could be a completely different affair if it were raining but i'm really excited it's, it's sunny. a beautiful evening and lots of people sitting around some buzzing tonight it's isn't really it? lovely the here in the park good. absolutely beautiful great i've got coffee which is sad i'll get a wine all right enjoy the show <laughs> it's okay. just finished immediate thoughts frankie i thought it was amazing really really good i thought caliban was yep. so animated and just got so into it and she was she was so good yeah i loved it they're, they're full of energy i mean they, they spoke the words really clearly um yeah really really good fun brilliant stuff i loved it also i thought it was um really funny really light um i thought everyone just yeah we just had a good time and it was just i mean it was a bit drunken in places wasn't it but it was good <laughs> in a good way in a good way no, we <laughs> loved Shakespeare it. was read so well as well yeah, we could understand it, it. i know we could follow it that was great <laughs> well done Jill Pumo, the director, was fabulous. Really enjoyed produ- production, loved it, absolutely loved it. Uh, Christine Parsons, I really liked that it was set in outer space. I think it was well conceived and excellently directed. <laughs> I agree with all that, it was a tremendous evening. I thought it was excellent the first time I've seen The Tempest, and I quite like Helen Hale, and I'm a friend of one of the, of Sebastian in the cast. So it was nice to see it in a different, uh, different uh, aspect with the space and the, the cosmic bit was quite quite interesting interesting twist I thought out of yes. this world <laughs> yeah. Chris Hale uh, yes, I loved it very lovely lovely setting is uh, yeah, very very active I thought Diane 
I loved that all the strong characters were played by women. I thought it was amazing. I loved it. Really positive there, then, from the audience, mm. including... My mum. Your mum there at the end. Ben, Ben's mum. Special <laughs> guest. Um, so, what did you think, Ben? I thought it was, it was a really, really new and fresh production of The Tempest. Because people have been doing Shakespeare plays for literally hundreds of years. <laughs> literally. Um, and, yeah, having it set in space, all the lightsabers and stuff, was, was really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I really liked uh, the way that, especially Miranda, uh, so there's a, uh, the daughter of Prospero is Miranda. And um, Shakespeare has this thing where he writes really weak, weedy mm-hmm. women who just sort of like mull around and it's like, oh, I wish I had a husband. And she found a way to like take her as a character and really build upon her and make her quite quite strong and quite likable. Because mm-hmm. uh, cause with a lot of Shakespeare plays, there's just one, that character. It's like, just get a grip of yourself, love. Yeah, she was quite soft without being weedy. Mm. Um, and it was a good casting choice. I think she really fit. You know, she mm. she sort of looked right for it, really right for it. Yeah. Um, it was good. And I think, I mean, where if you've been to see one of Breakaway's summer productions before, you'll see that the styling is, is very kind of similar. It's quite minimal in terms of set. So it does mm. leave quite a lot to the imagination. And I, having been in it last year, um, in Taming the Shrew that he did it was it was really lovely for me to actually be in the audience this time and see it from that different perspective and actually I do think that having it quite bare was very effective in that Mm. it was a lot of my imagination sort of went into it and actually was at play and it made me focus more on the characters Mm. and the story one of the things I thought was really clever that Leslie Cowland the director put in place was that as Prospero was doing this kind of big scene setting opening monologue uh, where she's effectively telling Miranda the story of how come they're banished to this island you saw the actors come sort of into the back sort of just come on stage slightly and they were acting out the Mm. part so you saw the king bestow the dukedom on um on Alonso, um, Antonio, um, I'll get all the Shakespearean names yeah. right, I promise. Um, so you knew that was that was the king and that mm. was the sort of new duke and you saw these characters come and go and I thought that was a really smart way of doing it because it then didn't have so much pressure just on Prospero kind of holding the attention. It mm. was, you can almost imagine it as like if you were watching it in a film, it would be that sort of, um, yeah. you know, the, the sort of layer on top. Yeah, like yeah. kind of, you'd have that sort of like bubble, like kind of very, mm. anyway, that was sort of worked for me. I really, I thought that was a really smart move. I know, I think again, like bring, going back to that very minimalist, minimalist set, it was, it's part of the magic of a lot of Shakespeare is the magic of the theatre. Mm-hmm. And I think having it uh, outside in midsummer, yeah. it is a sort of a magical time, like nature's quite magical at, yeah. at that time. And so you, f- it really sort of makes you feel like you're in tune with the rest of the world. Like you're watching this magical thing happen on stage and you're talking about um, the forces of nature and what people want and how the forces of nature can help or hinder you uh, in doing that. And so it really felt like I don't know. It, it it was a magical midsummer uh, production. <laughs> so we're saying this. Right? On the one hand, it was magical. It was midsummer, all in touch with nature. But it was set in space. It was set in space. Did that work? I th- I, th- I think it worked. I think it makes a lot more sense to have a desert island where you know people get stranded and you can't contact anyone because there's a planet. 
you just GPS it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can find that island. I mean, mm. that was Leslie's whole point, is there isn't really such a thing as a, you know, mysterious desert island per mm. se anymore. Um, and, and the idea of, like, magic and the, the inhabitants of the island mm-hmm. having magic, you can much more easily accept that nowadays by thinking, oh, you know, these are, these are a magical alien mm-hmm. alien people, rather than being like, yeah, it, over in France, yeah, they can all uh, <laughs> they can all conjure up storms or whatever. We d- we live in such a global world that that doesn't really play very well. Favorite part of the play? So it was the falls. It was Trinculo and Sebastiano. Stefano. Stefano. Uh, and they were just an absolute riot. So that was Roy, Roy Bookham and John Kensett mm. doing their thing and um, just being absolute idiots on stage. Just uh, playing exactly doing the full doing the full mm. thing and um, and actually you know playing really. I mean Caliban was was a character that I didn't like. I was, I, you know, we weren't supposed to like, so, you know, really good yeah, job. The, the incarnation um, of evil on stage. Yeah, really kind of very physically acted. Um, mm. And the actress called Dari, I think, I believe this is her first thing with Breakaway. Really? Um, and she just had a very strong physicality with it. You you know, she, she, she was wasn't likable. She was yeah. She was gnarled. And I'm sort of doing actions. I realise that no mm. one can see the actions I'm doing. But it was, it was strong, you know, and I didn't like her. And mm. that's no offence, Dario. You were well, you were brilliant because I didn't like you. I had feelings <laughs> about it. Um, and the boy, the guys were really funny. They were. Mm. It was a, a real light touch of humour to it. Um, I think there was there was a few things in it that were sort of a bit off piste, if you like. So mm. there was some singing, some modern songs that were dropped in. Yeah, that that did seem quite wacky to me. Um, the, the dancing and the singing didn't quite jive with the the rest of the the rest of it was so smooth and felt quite mm-hmm. slick and you were so being taken away on this journey and then it was quite jarring to have like someone singing um i can't remember what any of the songs were there was a couple of modern songs that um that ariel the sprite sang and then there was a dance routine at one point now there was supposed to be a dance sort mm. of in the original script but they they did this bit to um don't stop me now there we go and yeah. it was a little bit it was for me maybe just a little bit long mm. a little bit indulgent for it but i you know i thought it was it was a light humor for it yeah um i thought the whole thing together as you say otherwise it was really smooth flowing it really kind of worked nicely for shakespeare it was easy to follow Mm. easy to understand and i think you really kind of just you know i think and leslie did say this when we interviewed her there were no characters pretending to be other characters for a change no men sort of suddenly deciding they had to dress up as women Mm. in the middle of it so you it actually was kind of easier to kind of get who was who and follow that story um I mean, I think all in all, I mean, and, and Catherine as Prospero, again, female Prospero. This is only her second um, actual play with, with Breakaway as mm. well. I think she, she really grew into the role. Mm. Um, you know, she kind of, she found her stride with it. She got, she, she delivered a good sort of overall performance. And I caught up with her after. Oh, brilliant. So let's have a listen to that. I'm with Catherine Prospero, just in The Tempest. It was marvellous. Did you enjoy it? I really enjoyed it, except at the beginning I get really nervous because there's so many lines, and this is only ever my second play as I an mean, adult. I mean, so many lines. You had something like 30% of the, the text. Of the whole it? text. And, and it's my first Shakespeare since I was at school, and I'm 52 now. So it's been a big challenge, but the rest of the cast is so good, and Leslie, the director, set it in space. It's so exciting. Once you get on, it's just 
a whirlwind. Lo- yeah, it's loved it. Afterwards, you come You're off. Buzzing. Yes, I yeah, it. I loved it. And I love the. There's a little. I don't want to give too much away, but there's a little dance routine in it, yeah. and it's just. It's a lot of fun, and we were saying, you know, Shakespeare did write things to be funny. It's not all pompous and serious. Obviously, there's love scenes and there's murders and stuff like that, but a lot of it is hilarious. And uh, like some of the people tonight are hilarious. It was so good, and we, you know, what the guys we were sitting with and the people I've spoken to after said that they just they understood the story, which is that's of no mean feat for Shakespeare. I, I know because sometimes you go and watch it and you're like who's the baddie who's the heroine who's yeah. married to who but I think the way we've done it uh, hopefully it's really clear who's with who yeah. who hates who who loves who what's happening so you know it's really accessible for young people yeah. if anyone's studying The Tempest I hadn't read it before no. uh, and so you know now I, I get all of it and all the ins and outs and it was lovely the way you were sort of setting the story up uh, telling it to your daughter and you could see the characters kind of in the background were yeah. were, were sort of participating in yeah. some of that and it was, because, that was a really I, wonderful yeah, touch yeah Leslie did that I think so that people knew oh she's talking about the King of Naples, that's him. Yeah. That's talking about Alonso, that's him. Because otherwise, you know, especially with all these names like Antonio, Alonso, oh, Sebastian, they Stefano, they merge, very difficult. So, yeah, it, it's... I've, I've really enjoyed it and my family came tonight Aww. and they said they really liked it so my and biggest fans this is so this is your second play yes with Breakaway yes so you did your first one in February yes it's now, it's now the end of June and you've done your set and the main character I know gosh yes blimey I know but, uh, yeah so no, no time not to start hey I, I know exactly I mean I just went to see the vagina monologues um, that Breakaway did and I looked at the people they were so talented and they were all shapes <laughs> and Thanks. Yeah, <laughs> and I thought, God, I'd love to do this. And for a lot of time, I couldn't have committed when I had children growing yeah. up, and then I had a job that worked late. But now I have that free time, and um, it's been brilliant. I've made some lovely friends. I've been able to escape my life and pretend to be other people. It's a kind of mindfulness, yeah. maybe in reverse. Yeah. But it's been really good um, for you know your mental health as well as. Uh, your social life as well it's it's been brilliant fabulous thank you and well done again okay thank you Susie thank you so all in all really successful three more nights three more opportunities to Mm -hmm. see The Tempest 27th 28th and 29th tickets on of June tickets are on breakawaytheatre.com and we'll have a link on our website stentalbanspodcast.com yes and you may uh, remember from our previous podcast this is the show that includes our fantastic producer He's so talented Danny Smith on Sunday I went and saw a new play called Passion Perspectives so Passion Perspectives was on in Harpenden High Church Theatre and I caught up with the director and getting chatting to him a little bit about what the play was about so It was essentially a religious play using the story of Jesus uh, and bringing that into a real modern context. So sort of there was a lot of quotes from uh, news news programs as well as uh, what people have said in the media about immigrants and people coming over here and they're not not very welcome and things like that. Uh, But putting that into a sort of, uh, you know... um, the the romans re- means romans roman empire means roman empire we don't we don't want those um galapians uh coming over here and sort of doing their weird traditions so um 
one of the things that really, really struck me and the really interesting part of it is because he pulled so much of the text and the uh, the voice from existing media and from things that are actually out there, everything in the script was so, so script. So he was saying about 50% of the script came from other sources. And actually that, that must have made it so easy just to trim the fat. So every single line just felt like a bit of a punch in the face. But it was actually really enjoyable. So... Um, it was. It's going up to Edinburgh, and it's going to play in the Argyle Theatre. Um, but we can hear a little bit uh, from the director now. Hi, I'm here with the writer and director of Passion Perspectives, which is a new show that's going to be on at the Edinburgh Fringe. So, hello. Hello. And would you like to give your name and just sort of tell a little bit about uh, what Passion Perspectives is about? Yeah, sure. My name is Mike Lees, um, and um, this really started about um, oh, two years ago, uh, I think now, when I was working in my office in London and there was an attack on Westminster Bridge. Um, and at the time, I was um, working through um, some issues around the, the biblical passion story, and I, I just found some parallels there that really interested me and, and fascinated me, and I, I felt that there was... A, a way of telling the story that was completely different to anything I'd seen before. Um, and, and that was really how I, I started work on it. And one of the things that was I'd recently been looking at that influenced me in, in the work as well um, was um, a play called Attempts on Her Life by Martin Crimp. Um, and I thought that the, the style of that, which looked at this one person from many different angles or perspectives, mm. was a really way of, interesting way of looking at things. Um, and so that's how the play started, really. Uh, and so in terms of like the the way that the show is structured, it's lots of lots of lots and lots of different intercutting scenes talking about uh, a specific character. But we never actually see that character. Was that like a, a was that through the inspiration of the crimp play or? Yes, I, I mean, that, that's definitely very much the, the, uh, influenced by the crimp play, but. Um, also, I, I, I thought that, that, that there is a real power in having a character who doesn't appear, uh, but who everybody is talking about, and, and, and that kind of presence, but not presence, if you like, it, it makes, makes for a very interesting uh, way of telling a story. And so there are so many political elements and you sort of use a lot of the buzzwords that come from the sort of political zeitgeist at the moment. Mm. Um, do you, was that sort of a conscious decision? Are you trying to make a point with this show or are you, could you just not simply not write about this and it's just come out through sort of through the ether? Is there something that you're specifically trying to say with this show or, or is it just about our time? Yeah, I, I think the thing that we wanted to do, and certainly I wanted to do with this, was to use contemporary incidents. And actually, I would say about half of the words, well, half of the speeches in, in, in the play are actually taken verbatim from news reports and, and conversations that have been recorded in different ways about contemporary incidents. Um, and you're dealing with immigration and you're dealing with... Uh, issues about migration, people who are um, in trouble for various reasons, um, terrorism, uh, lots of other issues that, that, that are going on um, in our society. And what I wanted to do with it was 
to look at those incidents and ask people to try and look at the incident in a different way mm. and try and see a different point of view. Um, and really that's what the play is more than anything about, is, is asking people just sit back, look at some of these things, think about your own point of view, but then try and see other people's points of view as well. Mm. Taking a bit of a step back, you're taking this show to Edinburgh. Mm. What's that like? What's the process been like? Has it been, is it something that you've done before? And has, has it been easy? Has it been difficult? It's quite a challenge. Um, we, we've got some in the group who've been to the Fringe, um, some in the group who have performed at the Fringe, but never never as sort of a, a leader of a group or anything like that. So we, in many ways, we've been uh, starting from scratch um, and trying to work out what one does. I have to say the Fringe organisation and the venue that we're dealing with have both been absolutely fantastic. They've given us loads and loads of information, how to do it, what to do when. Um, you know, it, it, it's really been very helpful and we've needed all that help. I think what I would say is having... From where I, I started, um, when we first decided to do this, the experience has been that um, it's a lot more time-consuming. Mm -hmm. There are a lot more things to think about than you might have imagined at the start. And I thought I had a fair idea before, before I started on it. Um, but um, there is a huge amount to do. Everything has to be just right they they can't afford to take any risks with anything the timings have to be right mm. um you know the copyright has to be dealt with insurance has to be dealt with all these things fire safety has to be dealt with um and every one of those things has to be done to the right standard it's no good just saying we've done it yeah it has to be done exactly right so there's been a lot of work but it's been we've been guided through it and there's never been any time when we've sort of regretted the decision to start <laughs> yeah what's your journey in the sort of local and small theatre scene been like how how long have you been doing things like this and and how did you get into it in the first place I like to tell people that I did my first performance when I was five um, <laughs> but um, I really started getting involved in in um, amateur theatre up in Newcastle um, I suppose now about 35 years ago um, and then I've moved around the country a bit, and it's always been a case of fitting in, first of all, with what there is going on locally, wherever you are. Um, so in some situations, there really wasn't a lot of drama going on in the place. And then the other problem that a lot of people, I think, have with amateur drama is that you have something called work, and my work <laughs> has taken me around the world over the years, uh, and trying to allocate a period of time for rehearsals as well as the performance itself, when you know you're going to be available, is, uh, has been quite difficult. So I would say I, I, my activities on the drama site took off much more seriously um, probably about four or five years ago when I started to have more time and I was approaching retirement. Um, and uh, at, I guess it's now six or seven years since I started um, doing a theatre studies course at Rose Bruford College as well by distance learning, which has just enabled me to um, take my theatre work, even in the amateur context, up to a, a very different level to, mm. to where it was before. Brilliant. And so Passion Perspectives is on aug from August the 5th to the 10th 
It's on at 4.20 every every single day. That's and it's at the Argyll Theatre? The Argyll Theatre. Argyll Theatre. Uh, yes, which is the space on North Bridge. Uh, it's actually the Hilton Hotel in, in the centre of Edinburgh. And, and tickets are £9? Tickets are £9. They're, they're available from the Edinburgh Fringe website at the moment and then... Uh, actually, during the week, they'll be available at the, box, the, the Fringe box office and at the venue box office, at, at, which will be at the Hilton Hotel. Brilliant. Thanks for talking to me, Mike. Thank you. Hi, I'm here with the writer and director of Passion Perspectives, which is a new show that's going to be on at the Edinburgh Fringe. So, hello. Hello. And would you like to give your name and just sort of tell a little bit about uh, what Passion Perspectives is about? Yeah, sure. My name is Mike Lees, um, and um, this really started about um, oh, two years ago, uh, I think now, when I was working in my office in London and there was an attack on Westminster Bridge. Um, and at the time, I was um, working through um, some issues around the, the biblical passion story, and I, I just found some parallels there that really interested me and, and fascinated me, and I, I felt that there was... A, a way of telling the story that was completely different to anything I'd seen before. Um, and, and that was really how I, I started work on it. And one of the things that was I'd recently been looking at that influenced me in, in the work as well um, was um, a play called Attempts on Her Life by Martin Crimp. Um, and I thought that the, the style of that, which looked at this one person from many different angles or perspectives, mm. was a really way of, interesting way of looking at things. Um, and so that's how the play started, really. Uh, and so in terms of like the the way that the show is structured, it's lots of lots of lots and lots of different intercutting scenes talking about uh, a specific character. But we never actually see that character. Was that like a, a was that through the inspiration of the crimp play or? Yes, I, I mean, that, that's definitely very much the, the, uh, influenced by the crimp play, but. Um, also, I, I, I thought that, that there is a real power in having a character who doesn't appear, uh, but who everybody is talking about, and, and, and that kind of presence, but not presence, if you like, it, it makes, makes for a very interesting uh, way of telling a story. And so there are so many political elements and you sort of use a lot of the buzzwords that come from the sort of political zeitgeist at the moment. Mm. Um, do you, was that sort of a conscious decision? Are you trying to make a point with this show or are you, could you just not simply not write about this and it's just come out through sort of through the ether? Is there something that you're specifically trying to say with this show or, or is it just about our time? Yeah, I, I think the thing that we wanted to do, and certainly I wanted to do with this, was to use contemporary incidents. And actually, I would say about half of the words, well, half of the speeches in, in, in the play are actually taken verbatim from news reports and, and conversations that have been recorded in different ways about contemporary incidents. Um, and you're dealing with immigration and you're dealing with... Uh, issues about migration, people who are um, in trouble for various reasons, um, terrorism, uh, lots of other issues that, that, that are going on um, in our society. And what I wanted to do with it was to look at those incidents and ask people to try and look at the incident in a different way, mm. and try and see a different point of view. Um, and... 
really that's what the play is more than anything about, is, is asking people just sit back, look at some of these things, think about your own point of view, but then try and see other people's points of view as well. Mm. Taking a bit of a step back, you're taking this show to Edinburgh. Mm -hmm. What's that like? What's the process been like? Has it been, is it something that you've done before? And has, has it been easy? Has it been difficult? It's quite a challenge. Um, we, we've got some in the group who've been to the Fringe, um, some in the group who have performed at the Fringe, but never, never as sort of a, a leader of a group or anything like that. So we, in many ways, we've been uh, starting from scratch um, and trying to work out what one does. I have to say the Fringe organisation and the venue that we're dealing with have both been absolutely fantastic. They've given us loads and loads of information, how to do it, what to do when. Um, you know, it, it, it's really been very helpful and we've needed all that help. I think what I would say is having, from where I, I started um, when we first decided to do this, the experience has been that um, it's a lot more time-consuming. Mm -hmm. There are a lot more things to think about than you might have imagined at the start. And I thought I had a fair idea before, before I started on it. Um, but um, there is a huge amount to do. Everything has to be just right. They, they can't afford to take any risks with anything. The timings have to be right. Mm. Um, you know, the copyright has to be dealt with. Insurance has to be dealt with. All these things. Fire safety has to be dealt with. Um, and every one of those things has to be done to the right standard. It's no good just saying we've done it. Yeah. It has to be done exactly right. So there's been a lot of work, but it's been, we've been guided through it. And there's never been any time when we've sort of regretted the decision to start. <laughs> yeah. What's your journey in the sort of local and small theatre scene been like? How, how long have you been doing things like this? And, and how did you get into it in the first place? I like to tell people that I did my first performance when I was five. Um, <laughs> but um, I really started getting involved in, in um, amateur theatre up in Newcastle, um, I suppose now about 35 years ago. Um, and then I've moved around the country a bit. And it's always been a case of fitting in, first of all, with what there is going on locally, wherever you are. Um, so in some situations, there really wasn't a lot of drama going on in the place. And then the other problem that a lot of people, I think, have with amateur drama is that you have something called work. And my work <laughs> has taken me around the world over the years uh, and trying to allocate a period of time for rehearsals as well as the performance itself when you know you're going to be available is, uh, has been quite difficult. So I would say I, I, my activities on the drama site took off much more seriously um, probably about four or five years ago when I started to have more time and I was approaching retirement. Um, and uh, at, I guess it's now six or seven years since I started um, doing a theatre studies course at Rose Bruford College as well by distance learning, which has just enabled me to um, take my theatre work, even in the amateur context, up to a, a very different level to, mm. to where it was before. Brilliant. And so Passion Perspectives is on aug from August the 5th to the 10th. It's on at 4.20 every, every single day. And it's at the Argyll Theatre? The Argyll Theatre. Argyll Theatre. Uh, yes, which is the space on North Bridge. Uh, it's actually the Hilton Hotel in, in the centre of Edinburgh. 
And, and tickets are £9? Tickets are £9. They're, they're available from the Edinburgh Fringe website at the moment and then uh, actually during the week they'll be available at the, box, the, the Fringe box office and at the venue box office, at, at, which will be at the Hilton Hotel. Brilliant. Thanks for talking to me, Mike. Thank you. Hello, I'm Simon Carver. Join me and Danny Smith on our new podcast, The St Albans Film Guide. Each week we'll be looking at what's on at the cinema, the top ten, new releases, and also what's on TV over the coming week on all the free-to-air channels. Now, if you want to find the podcast, go to your podcasting platform of choice and search for The St Albans Podcast. Alternatively, you can go to stalbanspodcast.com to find out more. So that's The Film Guide with me, Simon Carver, part of The St Albans Podcast in association with The Hearts Advertiser. So let's head down to the Abbey Theatre where there's lots uh, going on still down there. Mm-hmm. So we've got Hard Copy, which is on on from the 26th to the 28th of June. And if you want to hear an interview with director Joe Emery and um, Martin Goodman, who's the chair of the Abbey Theatre. Who and translated, translated the, play. the play. Yes, you can listen to the podcast that was live on the 13th of June, which, mm-hmm. uh, sorry, 20th of June, they, they are featured on that one and tell you lots about it. And we are very much looking forward to going to see that. And yes. we'll bring you a review. All of our reviews and our thoughts. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing that's on at the Abbey Theatre from the 5th to the 13th of July is Ben-Hur. Ben-Hur. Now, this is this is the film with casts of hundreds. Yes. Back in the day before CGI, when you literally had hundreds. Hundreds of people. And so... CGI it, or tons of people? <laughs> you had hundreds of... Hun- no, what are they doing down in the Abbey? Oh, <laughs> yeah. So what, what are they doing at the Abbey? They're doing the chariot race. They're doing the naval battle. Mm-hmm. They're doing all of that with four people. <laughs> right. <laughs> four people and a lot of quick changes, <laughs> a lot of uh, a lot of props. It's going to be an absolutely hilarious time. It sounds like it's going to be absolutely a chariot race. Yeah. On stage. Yeah. Sure. And and people people well, actually no, I was going to tell you what happens in the chariot race, but you can find out for yourself if you buy a ticket. <laughs> And tickets are available at theabbytheatre.org.uk. Which we'll have a link to on so, stalbanspodcast.com. So I managed to um, catch up with one of the one of the four actors in uh, Ben Hur, and that was my friend Georgia. So we can listen to my interview with her now. Hello, I'm here with Georgia of Ben Hur fame. Would you like to give your name and who you're playing? Hi, uh, my name's Georgia Chowdhury. I am playing Crystal Singer in Ben-Hur, and Crystal Singer encompasses about ten other roles who are Tirza, Esther, Catalina, and the list goes on and on. (laughs) So I think we've gathered... So all of the cast are playing many, many different roles. Is that correct? A lot of them, yes. So the person who has uh, the fewest roles but kind of has the most to do is Judah Ben-Hur, obviously the titular character. He's a, a great guy and uh, gets into a lot of shenanigans, <laughs> in which it probably turns out he's not such a great guy. <laughs> <laughs> and so is it you or is it the whole cast that has like quite a lot of quick changes? changes there's a lot for the costume department to do in this one i gather yes i don't know if the costume department are having a wonderful time or a horrible time (laughs) either way i don't think they like us too much right now but yeah all of us have a fair few quick changes to do kind of uh whipping off a roman helmet and sticking on 
a slave outfit for when we're rowing in the galleys, things like that. I mean, I, I went through the script and counted last week, and including my hat changes, I've got 24 changes over the course of the play. Wow. Which is, I think that's a new record. And you don't have a long time to, to do them, do you? No, no, not at all. I mean, I think my longest change gives me about uh, three pages, and that's or, or the interval. That's quite nice as well. That'll mm. be a wonderful rest. We'll all take a short nap. <laughs> um, but there is one page where I am playing four different characters within about eight lines of speech. So it's a it's a tricky one. It's intense. <laughs> uh, it's and intense. So, so are you enjoying it so far? Like, are you, and w- what do you think it's going to be like at the end as well? At the end, I think it will be an absolute riot. It, it's it's delightfully chaotic. Is how I would. It's absolutely how I describe it. I'm loving it because you don't have time to not love it. You've <laughs> just got to throw yourself in at every single opportunity, to everything that's going on, and because there's so much going on, if something's going wrong, you just kind of note it down, save that for later, and then you come back to it, you fix it, you carry on. There isn't time to worry or ponder over anything. You just go, just do it. And so you've been acting and performing for a long time, is that correct? A very long time, longer than I actually have conscious memory of, yeah. <laughs> so so you got into to it, um, is it through dance? Uh, so I, I started with kind of school plays when I was four. I played a mermaid, so I guess <laughs> I, I started in a dancey way. But yeah, I started with musical theatre and then shifted over into dance, teaching dance, choreographing. I formed a dance company at one point, so kind of moved away from dance in the last few years into more physical theatre. Mm-hmm. So that is sort of my background there, but I'm I'm quite all-encompassing when it comes to dance, movement, theatre, kind of whatever is, is thrown at me, I'll, I'll try my best. <laughs> and and we cover all sorts of things on the, uh, the theatre show. And so we're sort of trying to capture di- people's different opinions on how the theatre scene is going, where it's growing, in which directions, and which, mm-hmm. which places it could improve on. Uh, do you mm-hmm. have any thoughts about that? Are, are, you, are you particularly passionate about a single area and you think we should be doing a lot more? Or? Ooh, so, I mean, a lot of what I've been thinking about and looking at at the moment is just the role of regional theatre in the, the big theatre scene. Because, I mean, this country particularly has a big problem with centering all of its theatrical ability on London. But there's so much talent from from uh, everywhere else in the country. I think it's really important that, I mean, particularly with places like the Abbey Theatre, we focus on the talent that we've got around the country and what those different voices have to say. So my personal belief is that theatre is about hearing different people's opinions and, and getting that those voices heard. And... As, as probably as as cliches it is to say, if we're not hearing different voices, then what is the point of theatre? So I think really focusing on how different regions, different parts of the country can say different things. So new writing, new voices, really focusing on the youth voice as well, I think is really important. And just generally thinking about how we can change things using different locations and different generations. And bearing that in mind, what would you say to someone who's thinking about getting involved in the local theatre scene? Oh, throw yourself in, all guns blazing. Uh, If you have ideas, note them down. Always carry a notepad with you wherever you go. So if you have any ideas at all, you can jot it down. So I, I will occasionally just write down three lines of a play and nothing will come of it. But then I've done that once and it's turned itself into a whole piece of devising. And it's just about letting whatever's in your head go onto paper or go into a studio and seeing what happens and just trusting yourself to go a bit crazy if you need to. Thank you, that was really interesting. And so we can see Ben-Hur, when's it on? So we are up from 5th July to 13th of July 2019. Do come see us. And you can buy tickets at the 
well, abbeytheatre.org.uk. Indeed. And all of that information will be listed on our website, which is the stalbanspodcast.com. Also pop over to the Abbey Theatre Twitter as well for some sneaky pictures of uh, the pirate dummies that we've got going on. It's a great bit of a great great bit of an insight into what you've got in store if you come <laughs> and see us. Not spoilers, just tasters. Yeah. Yeah, a nice a nice sense of the chaos ahead. <laughs> well, thank you, Georgia. I really look forward to watching Ben Hur Ben Hur when it's all ready. Thank you very much for having me, Ben. Hi, I'm Elspeth Jackman, inviting you to listen to my podcast One to One with Elspeth. Find a local person with a story, and I'll be there to draw out all those little details you want to know about. If I'm fascinated. So will you be. Each week I'll be talking to an interesting character who has a tale to tell. And the beauty of it is you can listen whenever you want to. To find the podcast, go to your podcasting platform of choice and search for the St Albans Podcast. Alternatively, go to stalbanspodcast.com slash Elspeth. That's One to One with Elspeth, part of the St. Albans podcast in association with the Hearts Advertiser. You never know, you could be my next guest. Let's take it back outdoors, away from uh, the indoor theatre, mm-hmm. back into the uh, the big wide outdoor world. <laughs> um, so as well as things going on in the park, um, Ivory Theatre is, is already kind of well into the Roman in the swing of things, yeah, yeah into the Roman festival um so things kicked off with Auburn and Livia we mm-hmm. have from uh, Anna a couple of weeks a couple of podcasts ago about that show mm-hmm. um and then we we went to see well I went down to see around the world in 80 days um which was on on the 25th and 26th of June um Here's what I thought. I'm at the Roman Theatre for Around the World in 80 Days. All the characters are wandering around the audience, asking the time um, and letting us say they're here. Very excited. I'm sitting next to, I think, some friends of the cast. Are you friends of the cast? Yeah. yeah. Are you excited? Yeah. We're what do you excited. think of them walking around? It's, um, it's putting us in the mood. It's really good. Ready for it. Yeah. We'll let you know what we think after. My name's Liz Prothero, and yes, it was a fantastic show. Really enjoyed it. The uh, very seldom disappoint. And uh, yeah, great evening. Thank you. My name is Jonathan. The the production was really funny, and I really enjoyed it. I'm Meredith Bennett. We had a lovely evening down here at the Roman Amphitheatre. The kids did a great job. Really brilliant show. Hi, I'm Matt Bennett. Thought the kids did a wonderful job. Lovely evening. Thoroughly recommend it. I'm Juliet Pierce. Yeah, I came along to see this uh, production tonight. It's really excellent. The kids are all fantastic. Really, really good. Thoroughly recommend it. Yes, and I'm Ellen, and my friend bought it for me as, as a birthday present. It's been a real treat of a night out. So I've just been around the world in 80 days, courtesy of um, The Bite, which is part of Best Theatre Arts as uh, their group of. Um, I guess youth actors, um, which is year seven to year nine at school. I thought, um, you know, so I walked in. The Roman Theatre is a brilliant place to stage performance, so it's really um, kind of nice and open. The stage had been done kind of with the central stage and two kind of planks coming out of V with high platforms. 
I love the fact that we had, you know, as we sit, you know, the actors are coming around into the audience asking the time. Um, there was one of the young girls who was uh, kind of a slightly manic preacher reminding people to take their shoes off going into the temple. Um, lots of really nice touches um, like that to really warm people up. And as you'll have heard in the pre-show, the girls uh, who I sit next to really felt like it really ramped them up for what was coming, which was um, wonderful. The, the cast themselves did a fantastic job. I think it was really interesting to use um, the cast in such a way where they were all on stage, you know, pretty much all of the time, and um, really forming. You know, you went to the British consulate in um, in each area, in Bombay and in Suez, and the characters made up the building. They made the bank vault. They were the clock. There was a real physicality to the theatre, which was it was really good it was really cleverly done and it there was always something to look at which was um which is fab and it, it brought to life you know the transport just making them the boat the train <laughs> it was um it was great um I mean, notable people. Obviously, you know, but the characters of Phileas Fogg and Jules Verne, who were central to the story, and they did a really great job. Um, you know, but the there was there were other performances as well that were really great. And we had the the girl that was playing the door, um, really stole the show at points with her enthusiasm and the sort of the devastation she had every time that um, Phileas didn't acknowledge her. Um, you had the the younger playing the part, the the consular, um, and in fact, everybody every time. You sort of went back and forth. Um, it was it was really nicely done, and everyone, as I said, there was always something to watch and draw your attention. I thought um, Passaport Two was um, was a really sweet character and really good with the French accent the whole way through. Um, nicely carried off. Um, it was a bit of a multi-sensory experience. We had incense burning at one point to kind of transport you into India, and I thought that was um, that was great. There was a real nice touch as well, actually, where there was maybe um, a couple of points where things didn't quite go to plan and there was almost a kind of a director side to the audience to kind of bring you into that oh no he's forgotten his numbers again for the guy that was counting down the days and that that worked beautifully and it it was actually very humorous um the whole thing was very funny very cleverly done and really um really great group of up-and-coming actors there and really well directed Lisa Schorberg uh, has joined me now, director of Around the World in 80 Days. Lisa, how was that tonight? Uh, it was awesome and amazing. Um, I, I'm co-director. Co-director, Yes, sorry. I'll be very yes. told off if <laughs> Dawn Hudson, uh, who also puts in a huge amount of work on all of this, isn't yeah. mentioned. But yes, um, it is incredible. It's an incredible space. Uh, we're privileged to be the only youth group here. Yeah, um, fantastic. And, and to put um, 20 unauditioned young people in this kind of space they doing... were all awesome I know they're an incredible troop um, it's something we we really encourage is that we are a group of people we're not yeah. uh, 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 talented individuals yeah. it's kind of they support each other I mean they supported each other out there so good. Um, physically emotionally <laughs> script script wise you know and what's the age range that was out there tonight uh, so the youngest is in year 8 mm-hmm. and the oldest is let's see year 11 year 12 so um but we have an older group Mm -hmm. but these guys haven't been able to move up because none of the older group have left (laughs) so they are now leaving uh which actually means we've got normally this group is supposed to be years seven to nine yeah and the older group are year 10 plus but uh so you're recruiting we are the younger years yeah we're back open for the younger ones i'd have to say the standard's pretty good so you should definitely come on but they don't audition no so so you can just come in yeah 
And tell me about the show itself tonight. So it was a steampunk themed <laughs> and multi-sensory because we had incest burning. It was it was fantastic. Um, so tell me about how that kind of that concept came to you. Well, we we performed here a couple of years ago, and we decided to do a uh, Greek comedy with it being an amphitheatre and everything. Yeah. And then we took a year off, and then this year we knew we needed a big production. Mm-hmm. So actually, we started out with the Jungle Book, okay. and then it, it really didn't work. And we were like, oh, this isn't working. <laughs> and then um, Ovo were doing a production which is coming up of Macbeth. Mm-hmm. and they had this incredible revolving stage and they said we're going to use it at the amphitheatre so this was the first time we were working backwards for a change we stole a round stage and then we were looking at epic kind of shows that would fit the space and then we came up with Around the World in 80 Days um, and this lovely version of it that originally had three actors Okay. So it was a show that was done with three actors yeah. and we decided to do it with 20. Um, and <laughs> it was a great... I loved the, the physicality of the, all of the actors, you know, being the train, being the stagecoach, being being the buildings and the clocks. It, it worked beautifully. And it, it's something that's really difficult, actually, for young actors mm-hmm. to appreciate. I mean, I, I think, you know, one of the stealers of the show is our door. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. You know, oh, yes. and, and, she got a lot of laughs. Yes, and she, she actually came in quite last minute and took that role. And when I said, oh, we need a door. Would you mind being a door? And she went, I'd love to be a door. <laughs> Um, and it is that classic kind of theatre thing. Oh God, I don't want to go to the you know yeah. theatre group and be made to be a tree or a door. But actually, uh, we do I mean, do she, a lot. Of... She owned the door. Yeah, the and door was a feature. And a lot of you theatre won't do a lot of physical theatre. And Dawn is a, a, that's one of her specialisms. Okay. And I, I'm someone who goes, can we do this? I have the idea, and then Dawn helps the mechanics Brings and it fits it together. Mm. And actually. Um, yeah, I, you know, a lot of young people think it is about reading a script and it's about learning lines. And yet they were on stage, a lot of them, for an hour and a half, two hours, in character, but not yeah. with loads of lines. Yeah. And they suddenly realised... still very, very much a part yeah, of the story. Yeah, exactly. And I was sitting next to the mother of um, of one of the cast, we, we spoke after, and she said, oh, she's only got a small part. And I said, don't, I, I don't buy that. Because they're <laughs> no. all on stage the entire time. There's not a small part. No, no, there isn't. And, and we just like the idea that... Um, that we do push those boundaries. I mean, theatre now, in fact, some of the, the big famous theatre groups are, are kind of physical mm-hmm. and, you know, I, I think it's the, for me, it's the competition against television. Yeah. We can't really compete against television with naturalism in theatre yeah. anymore. So actually what we need to do is blow it out the water. We need to do that really exciting thing with it and make it that step up and so that's what we try and do. Well, it was absolutely <laughs> fantastic. Really enjoyed it and it was very funny. Yes, so just please tell everyone I said well done. Thank, Thank you very you. much. Also coming up on the Roman Festival, there is Much Ado About Nothing presented by Drama Impact. So that should be uh, a real, well, it's one of those confusing ones where <laughs> people have uh, fall in love and fall in love with the wrong people. And also get tricked like. into thinking things they shouldn't think. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's on, uh, uh, on the 27th and the 28th of June at 8pm. Then moving on, the next show at the Roman Festival in the Roman Theatre is going to be Romeo and Juliet, which is presented by Moving Stories. Mm. So that's on from the 1st to the 6th of July. So plenty of opportunities to go see (laughs) that. Uh, We have a hot date down there on the 2nd. So looking forward to um, bringing the review for that. Um, And I caught up with Emma Gersh, who's the director, to find out just what they're doing to bring Romeo and Juliet to life. I'm down at the Maltings Theatre. Well, actually, we're in the Maltings Library. Um, and I'm with Emma Gersh, who is Artistic Director of Moving Stories. Hi, Emma. Hello. And Emma's come to, or I've come to Emma, uh, mid-rehearsals for Romeo and Juliet, which is playing at the uh, Roman Festival. Is that right? It is, yeah. And, and then on to the Minac Theatre in Cornwall. Brilliant. Tell me about your production of Romeo and Juliet. So, I mean, it's probably one of Shakespeare's 
best known, best loved plays. So I think as a director starting on a play that is so well known, you have to kind of really think about why you're telling this story again yeah. today. So um, I've been really inspired by the two venues that we're creating this for mm-hmm. and the audience experience. So we are you know, creating um, a production for the outdoors, hopefully in glorious sunshine. For of the course, yeah. About to have. Um, As we sit in the tail of a storm I right know. now. <laughs> I'm hoping all the rain will pass now so that we'll yeah, have a glorious summer. Um, and we've decided to actually to, to take the setting from Shakespeare's original setting was Verona mm-hmm. in Italy and place it in a rural English countryside farm dwelling setting and we're setting it on the May bank holiday so okay we usually associate that with rain don't we in this country <laughs> yes we do um, and we have myself the composer Matthew Reeve the movement director Kitty Randall um, and the designer Kate Unwin we have been interrogating all of the kind of the pagan traditions mm-hmm. that lie beneath dancing around a maypole for example I was gonna say I've seen some pictures of the maypole from rehearsals so mm-hmm. this makes sense now right exactly so we've we've actually kind of decided that there, there's something in those kind of rural agricultural traditions mm-hmm. that make for a really great starting point for the play obviously Shakespeare's language is is um, is riddled with references to the elements and yeah. astronomy and things that actually are still really pertinent to a kind of um, a, a rural tradition now. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, we're tapping into that. So I started to listen to a lot of folk music six months ago, and there was something in that quality of sound that I thought would make for a perfect sound score soundtrack for our production. Mm-hmm. So. Our brilliant composer Matthew is um, has created an original score of songs that really capture that kind of that yearning, that timelessness of um, of love and angst and conflict that I think you find in folk music. Yeah. So this sounds like it's going to be quite a different version to any Romeo and Juliet I've seen before. We're not talking Baz Luhrmann on the film, even though <laughs> no, we've no. got the music, um, and we're not talking sort of your traditional. I mean, you're you said to me just before you're a director at the Globe, which feels like maybe do they do they do sort of more traditional takes on on Shakespeare there? Well, um, there is. I think, uh, particularly under the new artistic directorship with Michelle Terry, it's very much about making the those plays make sense to an audience right. now. So they might be modern dress, but they're always kind of very true to obviously the original text. But we're thinking about what those plays say to us now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're, we're setting this um, loosely in the modern age, although we're I was just going to ask about it. sort of yeah, yeah time frame. Just, for me, the starting and end point is always what to our audience, what gift do we want to give to our mm-hmm. audience? And we want to make this story make sense, to feel accessible. And in fact, in rehearsal, I think once we kind of delve into the language, you realise it's it could be now. It absolutely, yeah. these, these relationships, the conflicts, they're all absolutely relatable to yeah. the modern day audience. And are you doing anything, are you playing with any of the characters in any way? Are you making changes, men for women, etc.? Yeah, I mean we've got um, we've got a sort of central chorus of storytellers, mm-hmm. and they will be the the key communication with the audience. So okay, they will be with us all the way through, and it's an actor musician show. So um, the transition from a, an actor speaking to them picking up a guitar and singing will be quite um, fluid, mm-hmm. which is quite exciting yeah. to work with. Um, but we, uh, yeah, our chorus of storytellers are going to kind of keep us very much in this sense that the audience have themselves arrived to a May Day festival um, and that the play is 
um, a tradition that these storytellers like have to keep telling as a warning to hopefully stop this com- these conflicts arising because obviously there's a you know a kind of a grudge between the two houses of yeah. Capulet and Montague and this this sort of meta idea if you like that the audience are in on that okay that we, because of course you know the biggest spoiler alert happens in the prologue <laughs> Shakespeare tells us how it's all going to end yes. in the first you know five lines there's a clue so we know it's going to end badly so we're kind of saying well look we know we've got to go through this story together mm-hmm. and there's something about an audience being live to the elements underneath the stars you know going through that real-time experience yeah um, that I think is a perfect backdrop for this play. Yeah, and so you're doing this in, in St Albans. It's at the Roman Theatre of Verulamia on the 1st to the 6th um, of July at 8 o'clock. That's right. So we'll have the link to the tickets on our website, stalbanspodcast.com. You're also then taking it down to the Minac Theatre in Cornwall at the end of July, 22nd to the 26th, and 23rd and 25th you've got matinees. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you... You obviously don't take in this in two settings. Is there a challenge between doing those two things? Because, I mean, I've been to the Roman Theatre before. I've not made it to the Minac yet. Um, but I will, I will absolutely get yeah. down there. But what's the challenge between setting it in St Albans, glamour of all glamours, and then on this kind of mm. cliffside theatre that is the Minac? Actually, it's a, it's a big bonus for us this mm-hmm. year. This is my first time directing at the Roman Theatre. Okay. So I directed a play earlier this year at the Maltings Theatre, um, but usually when we've been taking shows down to the Minac for 12 years now and mm-hmm. doing these kind of really large scale, um, often kind of music based um, Shakespeare productions, um, having the extra week at, at the Roman Theatre with, you know, albeit a third of the audience size that we're going to get at the Minac mm-hmm. um, will be a fantastic opportunity for us to kind of have those two runs. I mean, look, invariably going to the Minac, the big difference is that we have the biggest. Um, uh, distraction for the audience, which is the Atlantic Ocean, the ocean, yeah, and the most stunning sunsets because you've you've ever got to see. Incorporate those crashing waves. You do, you do, and that's again why I think Shakespeare works so well there mm. because he references the sun and the moon and the sea and that you know it's all there, living in his words. So yeah. we're not pretending that we're not there. Yeah, um, we're just working with the elements, which um, again is the the whole kind of aesthetic we're going for. That we, yeah. you know, our whole. Uh, design that it comes from the land it's it sort of should match those yeah. those backdrops but um biggest challenge um i don't know i mean i'm always aware that i'm asking an audience to you know sit outside for the 2 hours traffic of our stage and we have to just make sure that the the everything is clear and the momentum is gathered throughout mm-hmm. um and that it's it's got to be spectacular because yeah. we can't be um yeah, we can't be seen stolen by a basking no. shark. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a lot of times, I've mean, been to quite a lot of outdoor Shakespeare, um, you know, Regent's Park, or um, there's, there's a few mm. in the St Albans that over the summer's time. And I was in one last summer, it was very mm. exciting. So there were challenges for the actors on stage with, yeah. you know, the natural distractions, planes overhead. Um, I think an audience love that, though, because, you know, I never forget Mark Rylance delivering his um, to be or not to be Hamlet soliloquy at the Globe years ago and a pigeon landed on his head in the first line of the soliloquy (laughs) and the audience was just wrapped because they thought you know what's he going to do and this is happening for us we are live to this moment this will never happen again yeah Um, and it's part of you know it's what we're talking about a lot in the rehearsal room that 
you got to work with those live your reactivity is everything as an actor on stage yeah. and you know we have everything from helicopters hovering over a matinee audience to you know a beautiful flock of birds you know the actors have got to work with You've it, got to do and, it. Um, and play with it brilliant well i wish you all the best for the run i look forward to coming to see it and we will um yeah we will speak again thank, thank you, you emma nice to meet you thank you Finally, done at the Roman Festival, it's Macbeth, which is um, on from the 9th to the 13th of July. I'm really interested to see this because um, I saw it when um, Ovo presented it in the Maltings Arts Theatre. Oh. And so now it's going to be, it's kind of been, I guess, edited. Transposed. Transposed, thanks mm. for the word I was looking for, to, uh, to be in the outdoors. They, they've added quite a lot to it, I think, to just give it a bit of a change, a bit of an edge. So um, really interested to see that. Um, also coming up also coming up on our events guide which, which is on the website at stalbanspodcast.com indeed you can see uh, the Merry Wives of Windsor uh, presented by the Company of Teens uh, which is another Shakespeare play um, is going to be on from the 17th to the 20th of July and then uh, presented at Trestle Art Space is Chicago the Musical which is on from the 24th to the 27th of he July heard it coming do do Sure. <laughs> <laughs> and then also at Ovo, uh, um, the Mortings Arts Theatre, rather, uh, is Dalloway, which is a one-woman show that is on at the Mortings before it goes up to Edinburgh. So you have to catch that while it's still in the country. Awesome. So ticket links to all the tickets for all the shows. You can check out the events guide on stalwinspodcast.com. Everything that's coming up is on there. Um, and I think that's... Is that us? That, that is us. That's so us. on the next show, we'll be doing a more condensed show uh, next next time uh, because it's it's the, the theatre break, really. It's the summer. I'm so sad. School's out for the summer. So we're going to have our reviews. You'll hear reviews from Romeo and Juliet, Ben-Hur, Macbeth. Mm-hmm. Uh, any, any others that we managed to squeeze in <laughs> yeah, in exactly. that time? Um, that'll go up on the 11th of July. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, th- thanks... Thanks, Ben. This has been great. Yes, thank you, Susie. And thank you to the Hearts Advertiser for letting us record in their space and just helping us out with with all of our sort of general life needs. Thanks to all the theatre shows who get in touch to mm-hmm. let us know what's going on, um, who invite us along to, um, to interview and meet people. If you've got anything coming up, then do get in touch. It's mm-hmm. um, Susie at St Albans... Um, podcast.com yep and ben at st albans podcast.com or theater show at, at st albans podcast.com <laughs> um so we'd love to hear from you. you've got anything you'd like us to um to come and help support you with um and thanks to producer danny for letting setting us free producing us yeah bye bye the theater show with ben and susie produced in association with the st albans podcast For more St. Albans podcasts, check out stalbanspodcast.com for full details on all the podcasts available and how to subscribe. To get in touch with The Theatre Show, email theatreshow at stalbanspodcast.com. The St. Albans Podcast Theatre Show, out every fortnight on Thursdays.